Soup with Coop is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Oh, hello there. I'm Cooper Manning. This is Soup with Coop. You all remember college just hanging out in the quad playing hacky sack? Oh, that wasn't your experience? Not really mine either. I'm running who wrote this. Anyway, March Madness is fast approaching, and every March, I like to reminisce about the old college days. So today, I thought, why not have a special college story edition of Soup with Coop? We'll hear from former guests on their journeys from school to the NFL. Let's kick it off with a dear friend of the Manning family, Ryan Lee. Ryan was an absolute stud at Washington State, and I asked him about his memories of Heisman Night. It was an unreal night. I knew I wasn't going to win. Um, I assumed Peyton was. And I was just there to, uh, you know, relish in the fact that Washington State was getting some recognition. Um, you know, the only Washington State player ever invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony, the highest finishing player. So it was a special night for me, my family, representing Washington State, representing Montana, Mike Price, our head coach. And then I was just awfully cool to spend time with with the likes of Charles Woodson and Randy Moss and Peyton Manning. I just I was I was in awe. What was your recruiting like? And then did you, were you a Washington State fan? Or who was your football team? Um, the Colorado Buffaloes. That's where I wanted to go. A, they were good. When I was a freshman in high school, there was a senior linebacker who was getting recruited by Division One schools. And getting recruited by a Division One school in Montana was, was big business. He usually went to the FCS, Montana, Montana State, Weber State, things like that. So he went to the University of Colorado, and I remember going on my first unofficial visit there, going to Boulder. They were still in the Big Eight. Uh, Nebraska came, Tommy Frazier. Colorado had Cordell Stewart. It was, I'm like, I got to come here. I got to come here. And then when I went on my visit, you know, Coy Detmer was in line, and I just was like, am I ever going to play here? I, I didn't, didn't know. But I got recruited by pretty much everybody. Um, I took visits to the University of Miami, um, Washington State, Colorado State, Colorado, um, had Oregon, UCLA on, on tap. So they were able to find um, me in little old Montana. There was a lot of Montana ties. Dennis Erickson was at Miami. He had played at Montana State, had married a Great Falls, Montana girl, which is where I'm from, Dave Arnold, who was the recruiting coordinator down there, had coached at Montana State. Sonny Lubick had Montana ties at Colorado State, Brian Cabral at Colorado. And then the day of the Rose Bowl, it was UCLA and Wisconsin, January 1st, 1994. Mike Price, the head coach for Washington State, just another random recruiting call, I think. I don't know if he had it really a huge objective or motive, called me and asked what I was doing. And I said, I'm watching the Rose Bowl. And he said, I'll make you a deal, Brian. You come here to Washington State. Uh, we'll play in that game together. And I, I bought it hook, line and sinker. I walked into mom and dad's bedroom, looked at them and said, I'm going to Washington state. They kind of <laughs> looked at me and, and uh, they were happy because it was close enough to home, but I think far enough away where I could start to develop some independence. But I also hadn't done any research. I hadn't realized they hadn't been to a Rose bowl since 1931 coop 67 years. It would be, but that's a good you know, recruiter right there. That's a really good recruiter. Great choice. Uh, Mike Price was like a second father to me. Taught me how to play the quarterback position. Um, 
we did something that hadn't been done there in forever. It made, uh, made history. Um, great, a lot of great accomplishments. That team will remember, be remembered forever. Uh, really, really special. Really proud to have, to have played there, gone to school there, got my degree there. As you can see, I still represent as much as I can when I can. You mentioned going on a visit to Miami. What the heck happens on a visit to Miami in the early 90s? You got to share something. I mean, was who was, who was your host? Who was there? That, that teams, those teams were star-studded. Yeah, Bryce Erickson, so Dennis's son, was there as a walk-on quarterback. But Ryan Costa uh, and uh, Ryan Collins and Frank Costa were the quarterbacks. They were just coming off the national championship. Warren Sapp was there like as a sophomore. Dwayne The Rock Johnson was like a sophomore or junior. <laughs> and this is a story I've told a lot where we went out that night. And, of course, after we got done eating dinner with the coaching staff, they take us out and about in Coral Gables and I never drank alcohol in my life. It took me to Dan Marino's bar. I had a rum and Coke and probably fell over uh, a few minutes later, but we were in and out of cars going to places. And I remember meeting a couple of these individuals and one of them, and of course you wouldn't know who the hell they were at the time, uh, was this, you know, Polynesian giant defensive tackle, uh, Dwayne Johnson. And he would go on to be the rock and be the highest paid movie star in the world. And, there I am in, you know, I think it was January of 94 on a uh, <laughs> recruiting trip to Miami. Now I have a story later, years later, like, I, yeah, I think I partied with The Rock and Warren Sapp on my recruiting trip to, to Miami. Your first drink out in a club in Miami with The Rock. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a pretty good one. Um, I was so hungover the next day. I didn't make it to hardly any of my uh, academic meetings. Eric Price, Mike Price's son was the GA down there ironically enough. And I, I apparently just kind of slept on his couch in his little office there at the university of Miami in their facility for most of the day. Uh, Dennis was very honest with me when we went through our exit interview, he said, you know, if there's a professional job that comes, I I'm going to take a hard look at it. Sure enough, the Seattle Seahawks job came about and he, he jumped at that. And he also said that the recruiting coordinator saw me more as a tight end, maybe linebacker. And uh, that's pretty honest. And I just was, I was such a fish out of water. I was like in cut up jeans and a flannel shirt on South beach. It was, it was not, it was not a fit for me. I belonged in the, uh, the wheat fields and the rolling Hills of, of Pullman or Boulder, Colorado or Port Collins, you, you know, I mean, Colorado. That's, that's where right. I belong. I know it's maybe it doesn't make sense as much when you're from, you know, the West, but are you, were you just a country boy, a, a, just a small town country kid and, and yeah. the bright lights were, were, were too bright. Yeah. I just didn't know about it. And I didn't know what the bright lights were. It just, I grew up uh, on the Missouri river, uh, hunting the Rocky mountains, fishing, playing outdoors, you know, wasn't a video game guy, you know, me and my two younger brothers and all our friends on the block. We would just, we had a football field in our backyard, a baseball diamond at the end of our block. I mean, it was just, we were just outdoors kids in a state that had about oh, 750,000 people in a state that's huge. It's the fourth right. largest state in, in the country, but just no people. And, uh, you know, it was, I, yeah, I'm just, I tell a lot of people all the time, especially when my career went so south and I, and my behaviors became an issue um, that I wish I could have just, when the narrative started going the other way, like this guy wears the black hat, I always wish I would have been able to just say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm just this kind of, 
you know, redneck hick from Montana who just wants to play sports and be liked. And, uh, you know, I wasn't ever able to do that. And that's, that's exactly who I was. I was just this kid who wanted to play sports, compete, and, and wanted people to like me. Doesn't get better than Ryan. Great story from a great guy. Next up, let's hear from two NFL stars. First up, Hall of Famer Brian Erlacher, who started New Mexico. And after him, you'll hear from Peyton's former wideout, Eric Decker, who made his mark at the University of Minnesota. Enjoy. You know, it was hard to get recruited out of New Mexico, at least when I was coming out. And we didn't have huddle, you know, back then. It was just, you know, if the coaches saw you, you were lucky to get recruited. Now they got huddle, they can send their film out. But I, I had one offer. I had one offer to go to college. It was the University of New Mexico. So, of course, I accepted. Um, I wanted to go to Texas Tech. I went to their camp before my senior year, and I was the most outstanding camper. I was, you know, I had a good camp. And they just told me I could walk on, but they couldn't give me a scholarship. So, obviously, it was an easy decision to go to UNM. And I'm glad I did. It worked out pretty good for me. How big were you coming out of junior year, senior year? What kind of – I mean, I know you played every position. Yeah. Well, we were we had like 30 guys on our team. So, we had – we probably had seven guys going both ways. And now it's unheard of, I feel like, for the kids to play offense and defense. And you get it one or two guys, but it's unheard of. Um, I was 6'4", 195 when I graduated. That's a perfect was, quarter. That's a perfect quarterback prospect these days. Cooper, I should have been a quarterback. I'm so off still because, I, I, man, I got a gun. You should see me throw. Not anymore because my wrist is all messed up. But I, back when I could uh, actually be a decent athlete, I had a cannon, and my, I got gypped out of quarterback. I'd probably still be playing now. Did you have a touch, or did you just throw it far and hard? Anything you wanted. I could place it. I could put touch on. It, I could throw a duck. I could throw it behind my. Whatever you want, man. I could do it all. Did you ever did you ever lobby to the coaches in college that say, hey, go ahead, just give me a little uh, no. shotgun action? Not in college, no. I got screwed out of high school, and then I just kind of put that to rest when I went to college and stuck with, with defense and, and receiver. But I really think I could have been a quarterback. But I, I was third string in eighth grade, and then I never got higher than third string. Sucks. I was – they never gave me a chance, man. What could have been? Yeah, what could have been? Man. Ryan Erlacher, quarterback. The whole, quarterback. The whole, we're probably having a whole different kind of soup if that's the case. I can't even imagine what would be – we'd be taught. Well, first of all, I'd still be playing in the NFL if I was a quarterback. So right. it, it, me, me, and, you know, me, me and TB12 were drafted the same year. Can you believe that? Did, you, you, did you even – did you know him? Did you heard, Have you heard of him a little bit maybe because he played at Michigan? Uh, no, I, well, I didn't really know anybody. You know, and no one knew me. <laughs> so, you know, when you watch all these draft things, you get to know guys. And I saw, I met Tom at the Pro Bowl our second year. We both made it, and I met him in the elevator. But um, prior to that, I, you know, I didn't know, unless you were a first round guy or a top guy, I really didn't know who anybody was. Just like they probably didn't know me. So you're go, you, you get to New Mexico, no one knows you. You're just trying to find your place, playing a little bit, benched a little bit. New yep. coach comes in, likes you a little bit more. And then what happened? I mean, did, did the light go on? Man, so my first year I played all special teams as a true freshman. Then my second year, I didn't start at all. Not, we had a senior in front of me with split time. I led our team in tackles as linebacker, but didn't start. And then Coach Long came in and his defense, they had this rover position, we call it Lobo, where you just play. I played 12 yards deep in the middle and went to the ball. So, you know, I was, and by then I was 245. So I, I was, you know, and the crazy thing is, Cooper, the more weight I gained, the faster I got. It was good weight. You know, I had a, a great frame for it. And um, I put a lot of muscle on my first couple of years. You know, high school, you never get a chance to train for – well, when I when, – did you play basketball and track and baseball in high school as well? Yeah. We didn't specialize. So I went from football to basketball to track or baseball. 
And that was it. My whole high school career. Now the kids just play football or basketball. They do one thing. So they can specialize and train for that. I never trained for football until I got to college. So I gained weight like crazy. But anyway, um, when the coach long got there, they put me at the Rover, man, I never got blocked. I ran to the football. I made, I got to play receiver. I returned punts. Uh, just awesome. He let me be a football player. You know, my first couple of years, I just kind of, I never played backer in high school. And then they put me there when I was a sophomore and I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, I figured out how to play that Rover position pretty well. I just ran to the football and hit people. Were you always a tough guy? I mean, were you in, in high school, were you the guy getting in fights and that kind of guy too, or just love, love contact? So I was a turd in high school. So if you're standing around the pile, I would hit you. <laughs> and I tell my son, we watch my, my film sometime. I do not do that crap. <laughs> Don't be a like I was. Um, show some respect to their players. But like, if the whistle didn't blow, I was going to hit you. Um, like you got the linemen standing around the pile. You know, kind of like linemen do players now. Yeah. That was me in high school. If they were standing around the pile, I'd come up and hit them. I mean, it wasn't illegal, but it was it was dirty and cheap. And then I when I got to college, that, that was that was gone. I was just uh, trying to clean up my act a little bit and be a respectful football player. And I just kept going from there. And so kind of the legend of Brian Erlacher really takes off in your latter years in, in I mean, well, I mean, you know, who is it's almost these days, it's kind of like when you're from a smaller school, there's not a lot of film on you or, you know, back then, it's almost like it was 40 years ago when you'd hear these legendary stories of, you know, Bo Jackson, because no one could could yeah. validate it. And you're like, who is this? What is this mysterious person coming out of nowhere? Right. And uh, and literally you went from zero to, a th you know, to 100 yeah. in, in overnight. Two years. I mean, Mel Kiber mentioned my name in some draft thing. And then all these scouts started showing up at our practices. You know, I went, I almost left my junior year. I'm glad I didn't. I'm, I would have been terrible. I got a chance to play under Coach Long for one more year. And it helped. I ended up going the first round, obviously. But I just, and I kept getting, like I said, I kept getting faster and stronger every year. Um, and my senior year, I, I played pretty well. Uh, I was a good tackler, man. I was a good open field tackler back in college because, you know, 12 yards deep, you just, you take good angles. Um, and Mountain West wasn't, I mean, an, it wasn't a great conference, but it was still some good football players in that conference. No, it was our conference was Steve Smith. Remember the receiver at Carolina? That yeah. dude would turn two punts on us my senior year at Utah. Should have had a third. They had a call back for a penalty. But so there's some good players in our in our conference. Um, so I think that also hurt me as well because people didn't think we had a legitimate competition. But whatever. Steve, Steve Smith was a he'd hit you after the whistle, too. That dude was a beast. He played to the whistle, the echo of the whistle. <laughs> now, what about did you go to the combine? Tell me about that. I mean, you yeah, I went to the combine, man. So I went and I was ready, but I was to, um, instructed not to run the 40, not to do anything, just uh, go do the, you know how it is back, back in the day, no one did right. anything because you didn't want to, want to run a slow 40. But then I got, I went to the Bears meeting and Greg Blosh goes, are you going to run the 40 tomorrow? I said, no, sir, I'm not. He goes, why not? You got something to hide? I go, no. He goes, are you in shape? I go, yes. What's wrong? What, what are you scared of? I go, uh, nothing. I'm just, I was instructed that my agent and everyone we spoke about not running and I'm going to do the bench press and that. He goes, you're scared. I'm like, I'm not scared. I just, and then he goes, think about this. He goes, at your pro day, you may have 20 scouts and you may have 10 GMs, 10 coaches at the combine. Every one of them is here. You won't get a better opportunity to run in front of all these coaches, all these GMs, all these scouts. And I was like, damn. So without telling anyone, I didn't tell my agent, I didn't tell anyone. I ran, I did everything. I went, I ran a four, five, six, four, five, seven, 40. 
uh, did the all the drills well. And I'm glad I did. You know, Greg, and then the Bears don't draft me, obviously. But Coach Blosh challenged me. He was like, "Why? What do you got to hide?" And I was like, "Nothing, sir." <laughs> I was like, "Cause it's very intimidating going to those meetings with these coaches, man." Because I'm a young kid from New Mexico. I didn't really know what to think, but he, uh, I'm glad he challenged me because I, uh, I rose up and, and did everything. When did you get the tattoo? The, 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 uh, I'm glad I crossed my arm so you could see that to, to remind you. Uh, I got that my freshman year in college, Cooper. So I've had it for 25 years. My son, my youngest son, Hyde, wears 54 because of you. He was a linebacker. Sounds like a man. I like his name. Yeah, Hyde. He, he's since eaten his way out of linebacker into the offensive <laughs> line. But he's, like he, wants the, he wants the uh, barbed wire tattoo. I told him he can get it when he's 93. So. Get, him, get him the henna. Get a henna tattoo. So it'll last for like a week and then it'll be gone. It's perfect. But yeah, it'll be yeah. The, yeah, it'll just grow out of it. I'm sure. I want to get rid of this so bad. I just, uh, you know, you're 18 years old. You thought, but I did, have, I'll say this. I had mine before Pamela Anderson got hers. The thing about Caesar Sportsbook, it's not just an app. It's your key to a whole empire. Hotels, casinos, restaurants, shows, Caesar's Palace. I'm sure you've heard of it. Every bet you place with Caesar Sportsbook brings you closer to perks only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays at iconic destinations, app bonuses, merch, show tickets, and many more Caesars rewards perks. So get started today. Register using code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congratulations. Congrats. If you don't, you'll get your stake back as a bet credit. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. This Valentine's Day, fall in love with flavor when you save on delectable dishes and tantalizing tastes from Omaha Steaks with their Love at First Bite sale. It's the perfect time to celebrate your better half and bring the steakhouse experience home for Valentine's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code SOUP at checkout and get $30 off your order. That's $30 off an endless variety of delicious gourmet foods from perfectly aged tender steaks to juicy burgers, decadent desserts, and classic comfort meals. Every bite is guaranteed to be perfect and is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit omahasteaks.com, enter soup at checkout to get $30 off your order today. No one comes close to matching the flavor, tenderness, and value of Omaha Steaks. Order today and share a special meal with your special someone. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code soup at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. What's better than finding quality candidates? Finding them instantly. For a powerful hiring partner, you need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you could do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed's employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches 
match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash soup to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash soup. Indeed.com slash soup. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You go to every school in Minnesota. It's uh, it's good. I mean, obviously Duluth down to the Twin Cities up to yeah St. Cloud, St. Joe where I'm at, um, Mankato. Every Minnesota team was was good in hockey. It's the extension of Canada, and that's one thing too is my high school was so small. We had seven schools combined to make one hockey team. So I was kind of, you know, just disinterested in the sense that you're traveling for practice every, every week to a different school um, to play that. But yeah, everyone grew up playing hockey. Um, it's no secret between us two, Eric, we've talked about this before. My dad got traded to the Vikings late in his career. And uh, I was in fifth grade. Peyton was in third. Eli was a, you know, a little whatever running around in diapers probably, but we moved to Minnesota uh, for his last year in the NFL. And um, it was a pretty big adjustment. Go up there just for the fall. My (laughs) mother is from Mississippi. So her (laughs) Southern accent, I mean, it stuck out like a sore thumb, but we got to play football. That was kind of the bit. I'm like, I'm not going up there, dad. And he's like, look, they're, they have a high, they have a school fifth grade football team, tackle football. He had this rule. We couldn't play tackle football to the sixth grade, but there in fifth grade, he kind of bent the rules and uh, it was green light. And I had a blast up there. Yeah. I love, I love watching people just react to my mother's Southern accent. <laughs> oh, I imagine. I mean, it's like a, you know, sticking out like a sore thumb probably up there. Yeah. She was from Mars. You go through the line at McDonald's and, you know, she'd order. And by the time we get to the window, the whole, you know, everybody would be sticking there like, who looks like, talks like this? Who could possibly do this? So, um, but not unlike the Ducks when they flew south, but so did my mom. So it got around yeah. Thanksgiving and we went back to uh, warmer weather. A good, uh, smart move because it's, uh, as you know, it gets pretty dang cold about December, January in Minnesota. So it was just Minnesota was your best offer in the world of high. So, yeah, let me, tell you, let me tell you a story here a little bit. So I, I was kind of a small town kid that I played, you know, baseball in the summer and did all the, you know, basketball and football activities that, that were offered as well. But I, I, I didn't really want to go to camps, you know, so I, I didn't do any of the um, college camps around the area or the regional camps that at that time, I don't know who set them up. Um, I just was really comfortable in, in the sense of what I was doing in my hometown. So I got a call from Glenn Mason saying, you need to come just for a one day camp. We just want to evaluate you. He was the head coach of the Gophers at that time. And so I went, offered me a scholarship on the spot. And honestly, it just changed my world because I would have been going to a division three school, probably playing baseball and uh, football there. And, and, you know, who knows, I guess at that point where it would have led me to. So very thankful. And I always give, so rivals.com is a buddy who started it living in Nashville. Every time I see him, I give him a hard time about the two stars I'm like, you didn't, you didn't help me in any way of getting more looks. I, I got one scholarship because 
at that time rivals and still probably is. It was a big platform for coaches. I was, I was, I saw um, Mac Jones posted an old text he had with the rivals guys when he was in high school trying to get noticed. Like, hey, uh, can you help me out? And he's like, call your local guy. I don't have time for this nonsense. And sure enough, you know, he's making it look easy four or five years later. It's, uh, and that's kind of cool thing about, you know, when you're 17 or, you know, going to be 18, nobody, it's hard. It's hard. It's just as hard. It's probably harder for these college guys to evaluate who's who. You can definitely tell who's big and developed and ahead of the curve, but it's really who's a project who's really going to come on. That's meaningfully harder than trying to figure out who to draft as a general manager in the pros. I mean, that's. And the pool is that much larger. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, what's the potential of these kids? You know, at college, you develop, like you said, I mean, for me, I put on 20 pounds my freshman year in college and I grew a couple inches still. And so it's like definitely was a project in that sense of of just kind of developing me physically. Now, did you have good quarterbacks at the University of Minnesota? So when I came in, I had Brian Cupido, who was was pretty good. Um, and then Adam Weber was my quarterback for three years. Who got a chance? He, he came in Denver for, on the practice squad. Bounced around practice squad a few few times, and he was good uh, and had potential. We had multiple coaching changes. Not, you know, we had a new head coach come in, but multiple offense coordinators. Every year, it was switching them out, and so I think that was such a deterrent to his future because you know of the the change, the constant change that we kept going through. Now you played baseball too in college, yeah. How does baseball work in Minnesota? I mean, when does are you out there just in the snow catching fly balls at a you know probably earlier than you should be? We spend a lot of time in our indoor. So the football indoor we used as our primary practice facility. And for the most part, February we would head south, you know, whether it's Florida, Texas, um, California, and would probably play three or four series. Um, just because we couldn't play uh, outside of Minnesota. And, it, you know, you could tell how such a disadvantage of not being, you know, outside taking fly balls and ground balls naturally, um, even, you know, hitting the same thing. You're hitting out of the cage. You're not, you're not playing scrimmages in, in a little, you know, football facility. So it, there, there was uh, definitely some adjustments, but we, we made it work. And now even after I left, we've, they've really upgraded uh, the facilities at Minnesota to kind of compete, I think, with, some of those Southern teams. As you're getting further along in your college career, did you ever think, okay, professionally, I might have a better chance playing baseball than football? Did you ever juggle yeah. those? Yeah, I definitely went through that process. And actually, you know, I remember having a conversation with Joe Maurer just because in high school, easy choice to be the first round draft pick at MLB, but he also had a passion for football and had a scholarship offer to Florida State. And it's like, like what, what, what made you pick baseball? You know, and at that point, he didn't know he was going to be a first round draft pick or first overall. Uh, but he just said, like, I just love it. Like, this is this is what I want to do. This is my passion. This is, you know, the direction I want to go. And so I was thinking to myself, like, OK, I love football. I mean, it's a team sport. Uh, there's, there's no highs like football. There's no camaraderie like football. And, um, and then I also thought, OK, I'm not as developed in the baseball world, so I don't want to be that guy on the bus, you know, 200 days a year, eating PB&J, staying at Super 8 motels, you know, like that, it didn't sound appealing. That sounds you know. great to me. I don't know, why does that not appeal to you? That sounds amazing to me. 
I had a PB&J right before this soup just to kind of soak it up. I mean, coming home in the summer and get a summer job just to, you know, make uh, means end. And so honestly, it was like, okay, lifestyle wise, I wanted the family, wanted some, some structure in my, in my life. And I was just better developed in football. So um, I, I did like talk to scouts and, and go down that direction, but obviously football was, was the better direction for me. Did you go to the combine? Went to the combine. Um, so I got a, a major foot surgery uh, like November of my senior year. So we're at Ohio State and I uh, just made a weird cut. had a Liz Frank injury. So basically it was like hardware put all throughout my foot and went there, did the Wonder Lake, did the you know interview process, but couldn't compete in terms of, you know, uh, everything. And I think that's, that was not, not a downfall for me, but being obviously a big 10 white receiver, they yeah. want to see me run. They want to see what, what, what I look like movement wise. And so I, I wasn't able to do that or the, or the, uh, the one at college. Um, yeah, pro day. So it, like, it, it was a disadvantage. So you, so you never, did they have a 40 time that they thought you ran at all? I mean, they, they yeah, they estimated like a, a 40 time for me, just, you know, ballpark, like, Oh, what we see on, on film, I don't, I don't even know how they came up with it, but yeah, it did. It was like a four, five, five or something. It's probably time to pick up groceries. When you've eaten ramen for the fourth time this week on or off campus, you can use DoorDash to save you that last minute grocery run. Dash Pass for students gives you access to more than just your favorite restaurants, saving you on grocery runs, convenience store trips, and they even have your back with gift shopping. For a limited time, our listeners can get 50% off up to $20 value and $0 delivery fee when you download DoorDash app with the code SOUP. That's 50% off up to $20 value and $0 delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code SOUP. Don't forget... That's code soup for 50% off up to $20 value and zero on delivery fees with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Our next guest is the most interesting man the NFL has ever seen. But before he was wreaking havoc on NFL quarterbacks, he was tearing it up at Idaho State, the Bengals. I asked Jared about getting in trouble for selling yearbooks. Now this is a good one. We thought it was funny. We thought, you know, the football team and the seniors, we all thought it was hilarious. Turns out the school didn't think it was as funny as we did. And I was already on an inter-district transfer because my dad lived in Watsonville. And so they pulled my inter-district transfer. It was either go to school in Watsonville, which nothing good comes from that, or uh, move up with my mom and stepdad. So you you got in real trouble for stealing some yearbooks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... Yes. The answer to that short answer. Yes. I got in real trouble. They, uh, a bunch got stolen. They tried to, they, they called the cops, tried to pin like $3,500 worth of like stolen yearbooks on me. <laughs> so, and then I refused to rat anybody out. And I was just like, you guys know, I didn't take them all. Like, it's just not physically possible for me to take them all. <laughs> like three of them, you could have them back. They already had like people's signatures. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was, you know, Plus, little, they were selling. You had to buy them for like eighty bucks. We were selling them for forty, so I figured like that was a much better deal. For, <laughs> I, was yeah. I was really dying to know what the black market value is for yearbooks. I mean, it's funny. The other day, my parents are moving out of their house, and they have all these storage units. They call Peyton and they say, "Peyton, I got all your stuff here. I'm talking yearbooks, your letters. You want it?" He's like, "Yeah, you know, 
get it all together and I'll have someone come get it. And they call Eli. I say, Eli, what do you want to do with all your stuff? He goes, I don't care. Give it away. All my yearbooks. I don't give a crap. You know, some people get hit. They get sentimental about that stuff. Clearly. You're I, think, a- I wish I still had one. At least I didn't even get one. I, I didn't even, I didn't even get a yearbook out of the whole deal. I think that'd be funny so, for you to have to go back and buy a yearbook, you know, right now. I think it'd be good. If anybody's listening that went to Live Oak and was there in uh, 99, I'll take a yearbook. Hey, I'll, I'll, pay, I'll pay it forward. <laughs> now, were you always a big, I mean, you're 6'6", six, six, you played at 6'6", six, six, what, 265 or so. Were you a big strapping buck? And do you accredit most of your strength and kind of uh, athletic ability to being around lifting things no actually i was actually my sophomore year i was only like five five eleven like 160 right 155 and then my junior year i sprouted up to six three two oh five um but yeah i mean i guess i've never i've never been like i'm not busting out huge numbers in the weight room just been hard worker but yeah i I guess you could say i mean i've always whenever the hay truck came we always had to unload them you know um that could have always worked to be done with the horses. So I don't know if that credited me anything, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really didn't hit my, my growth spurt until my junior year. And then my senior year, I was six, six, like two forty, and played most of my career at like two fifty five, two sixty. Did you love, did you love sports growing up? Everything Were you always outside? Oh yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I quit playing base. I was, I love baseball, baseball, I play baseball, basketball, everything. And then, like, in seventh grade, I was, like, only focusing on football. Decided, like, everything else has to go away. Football is where I'm going. And uh, I told my dad when I was eight I was going to play professional football. And so I think ninth grade was, like, the last year I played basketball. And I was just – that's probably my only regret. Like, I wish I would have played baseball all the way through. I love I love baseball. Really good at it. Uh, I just decided I'm going all in on football at an early age. I don't recommend that for people. It did work out, however. Yeah. It seems like everybody that – I mean, everybody has their regrets. I mean, I always wish, I always tell my kids, learn how to play the guitar. There's going to be, uh-huh. a, you know, a night when you're out in California at someone's horse ranch and there's going to be one guy, you know, playing guitar and there's going to be five girls looking at him and not even going to ignore you over there, <laughs> you know. So he's like, Dad, I think I'm starting to figure it out. I'm like, it's it's late, buddy. You're too Yeah, my kids could have at least forced me to play guitar. We, our kids, our girls are playing the bass. Oldest plays the piano. My youngest will start. I remember that in college too. Like one of the one of our receivers, dude, just sat down. He's like playing the piano, and I'm like, "Oh, so jealous!" Like to be <laughs> musically inclined. I like I have no musical talent whatsoever. And now that we live in Nashville, people was like, "Oh, are you a singer?" I was playing golf the other day. And the guy's like, "Oh, you're Nashville? Are you a, are you a country singer?" This is loud. I was like, "No, I'm the least from that." Nash, yeah, you can go anywhere in Nashville. And there, I went and played golf over there, Troubadour, one day. And, mm-hmm. you know, I look out, there's Darius Rucker, there's Eric Church, there's Morgan, there's, they got, it's like, you know, every, it's country, everybody. And then, and then I guess there's a million people there who are trying to make it, and those guys, you know, made it. But everybody in Nashville wants to be a country music singer, including me and you. We just not, it's not going to happen for us, I don't think. Yeah, no, no. I, I, there was like, oh, why'd you move out there? I'm like, just because I really had no reason. No one told me how much it rained. So that was very disappointing. It's still very disappointing. Like cry about missing the West like every day. <laughs> now, Jared, coming out of high school, what was what was recruiting like for you? I'm always curious, you know, how things have changed so oh. much over the years. 
it was very, very good until the yearbook incident. So I had all plans of going to UW and playing in the Pac-10 and every school came through my junior year and, you know, come, come watch and take my film. Then I went to Los Gatos and um, they found out about the whole yearbook debacle. And a lot of those opportunities went away, ended up in Idaho State. Uh, so worked out well, but yeah, recruitment, yeah, it wasn't like it is today. There was no, you know, think about it, there was no Twitter, no, none of that. Like they just came out and basically, they basically told you, you need to come to our school. And you're like, all right, well, I was, that's, I guess that's the sales pitch. I'm either, you know, you're good enough to be here. You should be playing for us. There wasn't a whole lot of, you know, I got maybe get invited out to like a junior's day, you know, take your trips. And then, you know, all they, they give you, what, I think it was like $60 per diem when we went on our trips back in the day. And so you got as much beer as $60 could buy. And <laughs> yeah, that was it. that's right. And I don't, I was there, was no, there was none of this, there was none of this like, Oh, we are sponsored by Nike and we have this. They didn't even like hang our jerseys in the lockers when we got there. You know, it was just like. Oh, yeah. Now it's a full hey, gonna, photo yeah. shoots, everything. And, oh, you know. they basically told you we're going to pay for your college and that's good enough for you to want to play for us. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, what was, I don't know a whole lot about Idaho State. Who was the, who was the main rival of Idaho State and what was that experience like? Um, so I didn't know a lot about Idaho State either until I played there. I didn't know that place existed on earth. And that um, was just kind of like, wait, where, where, are you, where am I going? And I, so I got to give credit to our head coach, Larry Lewis. So he was a Washington State guy. Half, like, most of our staff came from Washington State. And uh, and Coach Ball and, and then my D-line coach was going to be my D-line coach at Idaho State, Mark Ray. I mean, they were at my house like every every week during there, right? And they're like, oh, you know, so they, they sold me on the big fish, small pond thing and uh, well played to them. And But yeah, it was, I tell you what, our biggest rival was probably like Weber State, which is down in like Logan, Utah, which no one really knows about. Um, but it was it was an adjustment. Like I went, this, this was the difference from growing up in California and when I went to Pocatello, Idaho, I had a you know digital cell phone, I had a little Nextel. Mm-hmm. And they... I only had analog out there when I got there. So my digital cell phone did not work. I was like, what? Like, where am I right now? Where am I? And uh, I try to call it. It's just like, nope, you don't. Like, I'm like, this is ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was that's basically Pocatello. That was our rival. But it was great. We had, I swear, we were the, uh, we were the school of like 1A misfits. So another one of our claim to fame. Adi Attar, who's famously now, you know, Conor McGregor's agent. He was my teammate out there. He played at UCLA. He got in trouble or something. He came. We had Daniel Pryor, who was an ASU, you know, full ride guy. <laughs> he came. Another guy named Eric Booz was at Washington State. Like, come on. Atari Callum, who was one of the greatest high school players in the history of California. He was at Cal and it was like something didn't work. Oh, we'll take you. We'll just we'll take you. <laughs> So it was it was fun. We had a lot of good competition and um, probably too much time on our hands because we all we were all playing one double eight, thinking we should have been you know all Pac twelve or Pac ten or whatever it was back then. And then, did you? What was the the combine like? Or how, when did you kind of sense you know NFL's a, a reality here? And, and how am I going to stack up against these guys? Well, yeah. So I think you know. I started getting accolades, you know, I think my sophomore year, uh, I was on the like preseason all American team and all that stuff. And, and going through, I always knew like long snapping. I was 
considered probably the best long snapper in the country. So I always knew like that was a, probably a surefire thing into the league. Um, but yeah, who, I guess my who, junior who year. To, Jared, Jared, who taught you how to long snap? Because I think it's uh, my dad. You did. You yep. knew how my dad, to. when I was eight years old, taught me how to long snap. And it's a skill that was invaluable, honestly, going, going all the way through Pop Warner, high school, college. Um, so uh, although I always try to downplay it, like Fresno State, uh, I gave Pat, I saw Pat Hill a couple years ago. I gave him some proof, but I was like, hey, remember when you offered me a scholarship and then told me you didn't want me to redshirt for the first year? And all you wanted me to do is long snap. And I was like, nope, I'm out. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, yeah, I was probably stupid. That was probably dumb. Was. Um, but yeah, so long snapping was what really got people coming in. And then my senior year, I led the entire country in sacks. And, and so, and then you didn't help that, you know, I was in constant trouble throughout, you know, high school or college too. So that didn't help. You know, it was fun to explain to everybody. But, um, but yeah, so that, but the NFL was always in my mind. Like since I was a kid, there was nothing else I was going to do besides go to the NFL. Even in college, you know, my coach would be like, you have to go to school. And I'm like, yeah, we'll figure it out. I was a guy that like football season. I did, I did barely anything. And then I'd take like 18 credits the next semester I figured out the teachers didn't like summer school as much as we did. So I'd go to summer school and they'd be like, all right, just, we don't want to be here all day. A couple hours, you're gone. We're good. So I was like, yes, I found some loopholes to keep it going. A loophole to get through school from the guy who got through offensive lines like it was his job, which it was. Thank you, Jared Allen. What a legend. Thanks to him and all my guests. And thank you for hanging with me on this back to school edition of Soup with Coop. You got to relive college. You didn't have to study. How lucky are you? We'll see you next time.